Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911 on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Alva, Jesse Romero, Two Man Car, Soul Patrol. And uh, I'm coming to you back in the studio today. So it's good to be back in here. And uh, Jesse, I hope uh, you're having a great Advent season. Uh, the birth of Christ is just around the corner. We're going to invite him into our hearts and our lives, and it's going to be beautiful. It is beautiful, Ruben. Just you look at the neighborhoods, you look at yeah. the, the, the lights, uh, you look at the, the Christmas trees in people's houses, <clears throat> the streets are lit up, the malls are lit up. Only Jesus could bring something like this to, to society and culture. Buddha's birth, Confucius' birth, Muhammad's birth, anybody else's birth uh, is irrelevant, really. Nobody talks about it. But the birth of Jesus Christ, Reuben, just really literally lights up the world on this day. Yeah. Uh, and, for, and for a season, and for a season, it goes on for weeks. And for Catholics, it goes on for eight days after Christmas. Again, nobody but Jesus could light up the world like he can. Mm. Yeah, there was a. I, I heard a story the other day, and it was about Christmas. It was during World War One. Uh, just give you the Reader's Digest version. He, these, uh, this British soldier was riding home to his fam, to his 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 wife, and and his I think his or his sister. And anyway, uh, he she he was writing about the events of Christmas Eve, and uh, he he said that uh, they had not the shooting had stopped uh, pretty much. Uh, right up to Christmas Eve, and 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 uh, <clears throat> they could uh, they were wondering, hey, they're in the trenches. They're only fifty yards apart from the Germans, and they're they're in there hunkered down. There's it's been raining, and 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 uh, and it's, they're in the mud. Mud. They're having to sh- pull out the water out with their you know pots and pans, and <clears throat> you know what they they then they hear uh, you know because they're staying down. They they hear uh, some noise and. One of the, the the British soldiers looks up and says, "Hey, look at what's going on!" And the Germans had been putting up Christmas trees with some candles and in front of their their you know dugout um, holes. <clears throat> and so, next thing you know, they hey, come on. They were telling the you you know British, come on out, come over here, and and we know shoot, you know shoot, and then that uh, it went on back and forth like that. So eventually, the the Germans come out and. And uh, they walk up. They say, "Send one. Send your commanding officer." And and so eventually, both sides got out of the trenches, and they they met each other. And uh, just uh, you know, days before they've been shooting at each other, and they just shook hands. And oh they, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Keep on. Uh, beautiful. Sorry. Keep on going. Go. Yeah. But, so they they shook hands. They they exchanged. They traded cigars for cigarettes, for tea, for coffee. They were they were telling stories, and and some of them was and a lot of them spoke English. The Germans, a lot of them spoke English. Some of the some of the uh, British spoke German, but not as many. And uh, then they, they hey, I used to work in uh, Britain. My girl uh, still works in this hotel. Maybe I, I I worked in a restaurant. Maybe I served you. Yeah, maybe you did. You know, they're just sharing. These and and this guy was so taken back. And then they they sang songs. I mean, they were singing back and forth before they got out of the the holes. They were actually singing. They were singing Adeste Fidelis. They sang it in Latin. The Germans did. They sang. Uh, you know other songs in you know in German and and the uh, British were singing their songs and they were clapping for each other and uh, and it's just amazing how 
you know, these these countries can't get along, but, you know, individually, they, there was peace between them, you know, and they're saying, man, why do we have to do this? And uh, you, you could tell your emperor, well, you know, ask him, you know, why we're doing this. And um, but then the, the next day they came out and they uh, they did it again on Christmas Day and, and they they played a little uh, football, a little soccer. And, uh, you know, and then they went back to life as, as usual. You know, the battle. Went what on. pope was it, Reuben, that that stopped the war for a few days during Christmas? Um <clears throat> Well, that had well, that was World War One, so 1917. So it was either it was either Benedict the Fifteenth, uh, I think it might have been Benedict the Fifteenth, uh, or or Pius the Ninth. But I, I what a powerful story! It goes to show you the power of a holy pope. <laughs> Notice what I said: the power of a holy pope, and the power of Christmas, the power of Jesus Christ's name, and the power of the gospel. Yeah, that's a beautiful story, Ruben. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up. We should probably bring it up every single day up until Christmas Day. And that was, it was something to, to you know, they, they, we wrote home and he just couldn't believe what a, uh, what a story that he had for his family. And, you know, in the, in the midst of war, people stop shooting because the Pope calls them to, to stop for Christmas Day for the birth of Christ. That, that's. That's uh, basically the gist of the story. Yeah, it reminded me when you said, hey, you know, we're, we're, this is all about Christ and, uh, you know, how, you know, everybody stops on this day to, to and 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 that story came to my mind because, man, this is, uh, you wouldn't have thought of that during a battle, this would have happened. But Re- Ruben, even pagans, even non-believers acquiesce to the birth of Christ because it's, it's, uh, it's in the book of Acts, at, uh, for, I think chapter 20, I have to look at my Bible right now where St. Luke writes this, he says, he says, our Lord said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. So St. Luke writes that in the book of Acts. Our Lord said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. <clears throat> well, even non-believers, that's what they do on Christmas Day. They're giving to people, uh, you know, out of their generosity. And and this, this comes from something that Jesus said that St. Luke documents in the book of Acts. The whole world, Muslims, anybody who gives presents is following the beautiful mandate of Jesus Christ that he gave in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Again, um, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by far, no, nobody's even close. He is the most powerful force that ever came upon planet Earth in a human body. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- nobody. No, J- Jesus's words still have a ripple effect right now, Ruben, like a tsunami, you know, crashing into oh, in, yeah. into the into the into the beach. Jesus's words are timeless and they will they will be meaningful until judgment day. That's right. That's right. All right, Jess, we're just uh, just going to touch on this uh, a little bit. Um, I know you and Terry talked about um, Father everybody's Frank, talking about it, but it's worth talking about. Frank Pavone. Yeah. Uh, Father Frank, Frank, you had him on your show yesterday and interviewed him. And he, they, <laughs> I guess he was on a call, a bunch of different shows. He, he even mentioned it on your show. Ruben, it's funny. I, I, I just monitoring the television yesterday. I saw him on Newsmax. Wow. I saw him in the Steve Bannon show. I saw him on Fox News. I mean, he told me, he told me after the show, he goes, I'm booked every hour up until 11 p.m. tonight. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So he spoke all day yesterday. People are interested. I'll tell you why. He's like America's favorite pastor. Uh, he's just a, a, a just a loving man. He's a, he's an Orthodox Catholic priest, especially when it comes to moral theology. And, and it goes to show you, Ruben, that this present pontificate doesn't just have contempt for Latin mass aficionados, Latin mass priests. 
obviously he always had, he also has content for Catholic orthodoxy, especially those who embrace uh, uh, morality. And I say this because he's destroyed the pontifical uh, life commission, uh, life institute in, in Rome by putting a bunch of modernists and a bunch of pro-homosexual professors. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he goes after America's most beloved Catholic pro-life priest. And uh, to me, what I see what's happening is we're experiencing our, our, our own Catholic January 6th movement moment, just like Trump has been attacked, uh, you know, and accused falsely about January 6th that he's caused an insurrection. Now we have America's most beloved pro-life pastor. He's being falsely accused of uh, of uh, what was the, what, what was the charges? State and blasphemous yeah. Uh, yeah. communications on social media. Ruben, here's what he said. I talked to him. He's been saying it all. He said, "No, no, I mean it's it's a sin." He said, "I confess it already." Yeah. He said the word "GD." Yeah. GD, uh, Democrat Party. The 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 Democrats are GD'd. Uh, <laughs> That's what he said. He goes, I confessed it. I caught myself right after. I had him, you know, yeah. we all have moments of weakness. None of us are perfect. Yeah. Uh, last, I, last I found, I think everybody's wrestling with concupiscence except Jesus and Mary. So, uh, you know, uh, every man, when you're speaking 40,000 words a day, like Father Pavone in a microphone, you're going you're gonna to have some slip ups, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the fact is that he, what he's a conservative and he was uh you nailed it he was coming down on the democratic party saying that you nailed uh, it you know we can't we can't vote for them and and he was he was following trump and and he was in trump's corner and you know uh he was following he was doing the catholics for for uh for trump and that's the unpardonable sin for the modernist, Ruben. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Vatican hates Trump. and <clears throat> Yes, yeah. There's no, uh, there's no denying that. Ruben, Father Nix just posted something very interesting. He says, uh, you can be a, pro-li- a pro-abortion politician and receive Holy Communion uh, from the Pope, like uh, Biden and Pelosi have done, but you can't be a Catholic priest and be pro-life and vocal about it. Uh, you know, to me, what it seems like to me, you're you're only allowed to be a priest and participate in politics if you're on the left. Yeah. And, yeah. and so Father Pavone, he was dismissed because he was pro-Trump, like you said, and Pope Francis hated Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, the USCCB did not like Father Pavone's politics as well, and and I think here's and not this is not a conspiracy theory. This is just basically looking at things the way they are. I think the USCCB says uh, we got two years before the next presidential election. I bet Biden and Pelosi and others were putting heat on the USCCB and saying, you got to stop this guy. This guy talks 24 hours, seven days a week against us. And I think the USCCB figured, okay, as a favor to our Democrat overlords who give us millions and millions of dollars every year for our social justice causes, we've got to have him silenced before 2024. That's my take, Ruben. Yeah. I, and, you know, he's he's also called the bishops out for not doing more. for the, Because we've talked about it in this show, Jess. If the bishops walked they walked America, and they they put a stop to this abortion if they called it out. Oh yeah, they called was, all Catholics to, to end this. Oh, they could anyway. stamp this out overnight. Yeah. Okay, we're yeah. gonna be right back. Uh, coming up next, we're, we're gonna be talking about uh, it's a wonderful life. But is it about Saint Joseph? Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. We are back. Changing uh, gears here. We're going to be talking about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And everybody, um, I would say the majority of people have seen this during Christmas. Um, and and uh, the father, Peter John Cameron, he writes uh, an article this month about, uh, is it about St. Joseph? And there's so many similarities, and we'll get into it. Uh, and I had never looked at it this way, but uh, when you you know it's pointed out, it, it definitely does look like uh, like it's there's some similarities. So um, Frank Capra is uh, he described himself as a Catholic in spirit. He was he was the um, you know he wrote that. So he did did he set out to write an allegory of the life of Saint Joseph? No Advent is complete without. A viewing of Frank Capra's masterful film, It's a Wonderful Life. Capra described himself as a Catholic in spirit, one who firmly believes that the anti-moral, the intellectual bigots, and the mafias of ill will may destroy religion, but they will never conquer the cross. That Catholic spirit comes across in It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies at Christmas, Jess. It is, Ruben. Yeah. It's mass. It's a ma- I mean, this movie's masterful. The way it just touches a human soul... Uh, it, 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 there was a, a mastermind behind this movie, and I agree. As I read this article that you sent, that you sent me, uh, the reason it's so powerful to the moving to the soul is because it is based on the life of Saint Joseph and guardian angels as well, the theology of guardian angels. Yeah. But it's done in such a way where it's undetected unless it's pointed out to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Justin, why don't you go over the first one? Yeah, George and St. Joseph, 12 similarities. In the movie, George Bailey, what a great actor, Mm -hmm. and St. Joseph have at least 12 things in common. Here's the first one. Both George Bailey and St. Joseph save the life of a boy. St. Joseph shows the depth of of his valor early on in saving the life of the newborn Jesus when the infant is threatened by King Herod's massacre of the Holy Innocents. And it's a wonderful life. One of the first things we learn about George Bailey is that as a boy, George acted to save the life of his kid brother, Harry, when Harry had fallen into an icy river and was on the brink of drowning. So that's similarity number one. And then number two, both George Bailey and St. Joseph experienced a drastic change in their life plan. So St. Joseph has a determined plan for his life. He will marry the daughter of Joachim and Anne start a family, and a career with his wife, Mary, in Nazareth. George Bailey, on the other hand, never stops talking about all the exciting hopes and dreams he has set in his heart. He set his heart on. Uh, He shops for a suitcase big enough to equip him to travel the globe. He tells his father, I want to build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities. I want to do something big, something important. He says, I know that, that what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next after that and next year after that, and I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers, 100 stories high. I'm going to build bri- uh, bridges a mile long, but his ambitions and plans do not pan out as he projects. George Bailey never makes it to Europe, to college, or even out of the Bedford Falls. Um, <clears throat> Providence has something else in store, in story for George Bailey, something truly big and important that he never even imagined. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Number three, both George Bailey and St. Joseph are married to a woman named Mary. Hmm. Interesting. At a moment of overwhelming frustration, George Bailey cries out, I want to do what I want to do. 
But then just as suddenly George repents of it because he is in the presence of a woman who possesses an exceptional humanity. George can't help himself. He embraces the woman who is to become his wife, a woman named Mary, whom George, whom George's mother refers to as the kind that will help you find the answers. So too for St. Joseph, he received Mary into his home as his wife, Matthew 124. Mm -hmm. Fascinating, fascinating similarities here, Ruben. Mm -hmm. George Bailey and St. Joseph are confronted with a life or death trial. So two protagonists, George and Joseph, are called to act decisively in crisis situations that would potentially result in a tragic death. If the authorities in Nazareth were to discover the unwed Mary's pregnancy, according to the religion law of the time, the Blessed Virgin would have been stoned to death. But St. Joseph, directed by heavenly direction, acts valiantly to prevent the catastrophe. In George Bailey's case, if George were not to surrender to the intervening ways of God in contending with his own personal struggles, then his despair would lead inexorably to his self-dealt death. I was He was planning on jumping from the toll bridge into the freezing river waters below. So both heroes give in to God. <clears throat> wow. Point number five. Both George Bailey and St. Joseph assume the responsibility for another's problem. Mm-hmm. As disastrous events spiral out of control after his uncle Billy mis- mislays $8,000, George Bailey takes the blame on himself as he scrambles to find a solution to the fiasco. St. Joseph, learning that Mary is with child, decides to divorce her quietly rather than expose her to the law. Both George Bailey and St. Joseph assume the responsibility for problems that they did not create, and they invest themselves in coming up with an honorable resolution, even to the point of heroic personal sacrifice. That's right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what Joseph was going to divorce her quietly, you know, and, and... And not make a big deal about it because he was he was he was wronged and that you know he would be the one that was would, would be the victim pretty much and he would ha- right. have say so on to what would happen. So <clears throat> the next one is both George Bailey and Saint Joseph are helped by an angel at the very moment in the life of both Saint Joseph and George Bailey when things are going from bad to worse something miraculous happens heaven intervenes by uh, by God sending an angel to to them. The angel reveals the indispensable role each man is to play in the lives of countless people precisely because they opt to be compliant and to consent to the inbreaking of heaven. <clears throat> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we're, we're sharing with you um, the uh, similarities between George Bailey and St. Joseph. Very, very... Uh, good article that opened my eyes here. Number seven. Now I know why I like the movie so much. <laughs> Number seven, both George Bailey and St. Joseph are people who change their world. The angel Clarence says to George Bailey, quote, each man's life touches so many, so many of their lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole. George then sees for himself the unmitigated squalor that has consumed his hometown, Bedford Falls. All of it brought on because George Bailey was never alive to transform the town. Without the intervention of George Bailey, the decency of clean-cut Bedford Falls gets perverted into Pottersville. Liquor stores, dancing clubs, dive bars, strip joints, fight clubs, sleazy hotels, gambling parlors, pool halls, pawn shops, cemeteries. And yet, a world without St. Joseph and a saintly mediation would have resulted in a reality even more abysmal, a world drenched in the decadence of sin. Mm, yeah. Wow. That's right. 
Pottersville would have been named after the that guy uh, Potter, the, the 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 evil guy that was in town. Oh yeah, yeah, the that's right. The one who stole the eight thousand dollars. <laughs> so both number eight, both George Bailey and St. Joseph are men of exceptional obedience. Uh, both George Bailey and St. Joseph listened to their angel. They are obedient to the divinely ordered will and plan. Pope Francis says that St. Joseph was not stubborn in following his own life plans. He did not allow resentment to poison his soul, but he was prepared to make himself disposed to the news that in a disconcerting way was presented to him. God had a different had kept a different design for him, a greater mission. And so too for George Bailey, who was ultimately hailed as the richest man in town, not monetarily, but he's the richest man because he had so many friends, so many people that looked uh, to him for, uh, for his aid. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Nine, both Bedford Falls and heaven rely on the intercession of St. Joseph. Yeah. This is important. Pay close attention to how it is a wonderful life begins. As the film opens, we hear people praying, I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father, Joseph, Jesus, and Mary. Help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Why doesn't the petitioner pray in the usual order of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? With that, we next see two heavenly constellations carrying on a conversation with each other. The first is that of, of God who says, Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Joseph responds, telling God about the predicament of George Bailey. It is Joseph who intercedes to get Clarence the angel sent down to earth to rescue George. And after George and Clarence are thrown out of Nick's bar, Clarence turns his eyes heavenward and asks, How am I doing, Joseph? No, Mm. I didn't have a drink. Later, when Clarence is being pinned down by Bert the cop, Clarence cries out, Joseph, oh, Joseph, Joseph. With that, Clarence suddenly vanishes into safety. Wow, I never even you know recognized that. Wow, it's it's uncanny. Just yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> yeah. Who else could it have been? What other Joseph would 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 the angel be calling out to? All right, number ten. <clears throat> Both George Bailey and Saint Joseph are men for others. George is unfailingly uh, other directed. Even in the midst of his utter desolation, what is the one thing that George Bailey still cares about? His daughter, Zuzu, and her rose petals. And sitting at the bar in Nick's saloon with his world collapsing around him, George turns to the weary Clarence, seated beside him, full of empathy and compassion. George says so tenderly, hey, little fella, you worry me. You got some place to sleep? You got any money? Amidst his inculpable misery, George is still thinking about others, solicitous and self-giving, no degree of personal sorrow can thwart the charity he feels for the struggles of others. What better description of St. Joseph is there than that? Wow. Yeah, Ruben, this is um, this article is mind-blowing. I uh, just, um, again, I, I, I've watched this movie several times, but this article pointed something out that I just it just never dawned on me. Number 11, both George Bailey and St. Joseph are real fathers. George Bailey acts as a father to the druggist, Mr. Gower, who almost makes the fatal mistake of poisoning a customer with a tainted prescription. To the failing building and loan company, to Mr. Martini, who calls George my best friend because George builds him a house for his family to live in. To his hapless uncle, Billy, who displaces $8,000 to the loose-living Violet Bick, desperate for the money to get out of town in order to escape the consequences of her wanton ways. He's really the father of the entire town of Bedford Falls. St. John Damascene wrote the following, quote, St. Joseph not only had the name of father of Jesus, but also he had the reality of, he had the reality of it as much as any man could. Yep. 
And number wow. 12, both George Bailey and St. Joseph surrendered themselves to Providence. At the end of the story, George Bailey is victorious, not simply because he's a good guy, but because he conscious, consciously decides to accept and even prays to receive his God-given destiny. He is a man for others. He is a man literally of prov- providence, uh, or providence, but one who looks forward on behalf of others. St. Joseph is lauded as the provider of the Holy Family and as a protector of the Holy Church. <clears throat> yeah. Good stuff, Ruben. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, you're, we're, we're talking about St. Joseph uh, and George Bailey, the similarities here as put out by this article. Uh, the article ends, it says, as embracing the ways, the way things are through prayer. As George Bailey's life is unraveling into chaos, he sits in, a Nick's, in Nick's bar, undone, desperation etched into his face. But at that moment, even though he's not a praying man, George begins to pray earnestly. Dear Heavenly Father, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. And when George prays, that's when the angel shows up to help him. Ruben, mm-hmm. take it away. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jess, uh, Jess yeah. uh, you're going to be gone off the, yeah. in the next two segments. So we'll come back. I'm going to finish this up. And Thanks, um, Ruben. Talk to you later. Okay. Be right back. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Uh, we had, uh, well, Justin and I were going over this article on uh, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. about And uh, is it about St. Joseph? And uh, a lot of the similarities, it's, it's uncanny how... Um, there's so many um, references to St. Joseph and so many similarities. It it, it uh, almost begs the question, did, uh, did Frank Capra, did he have that in mind? Was that his real intention? Um, we don't know, but it, uh, it certainly sounds like it. And uh, the article, um, it ends with a quote from Pope Francis uh, as he gives encouragement. He says, just as God told Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, Matthew one twenty. So he seems to tell us, do not be afraid. We need to set aside all our anger and disappointment and embrace the way things are, even when they do not turn out as we wish. Not with mere res- resignations, but with hope and courage. In this way, we become open to a deeper meaning. Our lives can be miraculously reborn if we find the courage to live them in accordance with the gospel. And that's what George, George Bailey did. And that's what makes makes life wonderful. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, um, I encourage you to, to, to check it out. And, and if it's been a while, like it's been a while since I saw it, I had to, I had to go back, think about some of these um, comparisons because I had to recount what happened in the movie. Well, I guess I can give you a little summary of that movie. So maybe uh, if you're thinking, why um, why do they think this is uh, St. Joseph? Um, you know, George Bailey, he had all these desires to to go out and, and change the world. He was he was a dreamer. Certainly was a dreamer. Uh, he had uh, he wanted to go to school and uh, his father had a at a business and his father uh, ended up uh, 
going down and dying early. So uh, George was left to um, to man the business. And, you know, his brother that he saved when he was young, his brother uh, met a gal and was going off to New York and uh, to marry her and live with her out there. And, and uh, you know, he didn't tell his brother, hey, Harry, why don't you just... Um, why don't you stay back? You know, let me go on and, and fulfill my dreams. Um, you li- you can live here, you know. But but he doesn't. He uh, he lets uh, Harry go off and and do his thing. And George is left there in town. And uh, you know there was there was a uh, we talked about this, this eight thousand dollars. You know that was that was missing. His uncle was working for him, and and he mis and he misplaced it. But um, the evil man in town, he he saw what was going on. He he took the money, and uh, but that uh, that was going to lead to a lot of people's uh, downfall. Um, but to George's credit, George just takes the blame and and figures out what he he needs to do. But um, you know, when you go into the the at the at one point, George is. He's told that, you know, he's he's when when he talks to this man Potter, who's actually Mr. Potter is is the one who who has the money. He tells George that because uh, George needs he needs to to cover some debts, and uh, so he asks Mr. Potter for for a loan. He says, and 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 Mr. Potter wants to know if he's got some kind of uh, you know equity, something to back it up, and he said he had a, a fifteen hundred dollar. Um, life insurance policy and uh mr potter tells harry uh, tells uh george well you're you're worth more dead than you are alive so that gives george uh the thought of just taking his own life and he's racing down the street and it's you know it's snowing and he runs into a tree and and he takes off on foot and he's about to cast himself into the uh into the water the frigid cold waters on the bridge, and uh, that's when the uh, the angel Clarence comes to him. You know, we're all, as we all know, we all believe that we have our own guardian angels, and this this particular angel okay, was sent down to Georgia to um, to keep him from from doing the 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 um, commit that mortal sin that would could. Sent him to uh, everlasting hellfire. So, in, in the movie, there's a, some reference to the the idea that um, you know, if, if an angel comes down, he gets his wings when he, you know he can save somebody. So, you know, that's that little theme is brought up there in the last scene. In the last scene, you know, the whole crowd sings. You know, once once they go back, see angel. The angel takes. Um, he takes George through his whole life, you know, and he says, man, if it wasn't, if it, if you weren't here, you know, let's take you through and, and see what would have happened to this town. And, uh, so George is like mystified. Why, why is this, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And he said, the angel tells him because you weren't here to, to, to help these people. And his, you know, his wife, um, she's, she doesn't marry and, uh, there's just so much heartache what he that he sees, you know, the the, the town is just a, just a life of debauchery going on there. It's 
worldly and they they uh it's not a, a not a, a home wholesome town to live in it's not like you know the old mayberry rfd you know it was it was um it, it was just unlike the way he he, he remembered it and so the movie goes on and it it shows all the things that that uh that would have happened had george not been in there and um uh, you know i guess you have to see the you have to see the ending because the 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 people love George when you know he's he's pre praised about hey you know I, I don't want to I don't want this to go on and he he's he's given a chance to turn his life around and and it uh, it all ends up uh, with a with a happy ending but it's uh it's quite the quite the movie and I'm I'm gonna have to watch that again and uh, encourage you to watch it as well and so. Uh, switching gears, let's let's go into the the last article that I have. It's it's a it's a it's a beautiful um, article on the the uh, the name the name of Jesus and um, the holy name of Jesus. You know that's uh, something that um, that no, we have a litany then and, and uh, we have uh, other prayers to the holy name of Jesus, but. Do we really take it serious, you know? And, and do we think when we're saying the name Jesus, is it is it resonating with you? You know, it's a name above all names, you know. And the the title of this article is "Hidden Remedy in a Little Vessel." So, you know, it starts off by saying, "If we're unable to do anything else, we should press the holy name of Jesus upon our souls." Even in those moments when we feel like it's impossible for us to pray, we're still capable of praying Jesus' holy name. Dominican mystic Blessed Henry Suso assures us, quote, if we are unable to do anything else, we should press the holy name of Jesus upon our souls and repeat this gracious name. We should think of it so often during the day that we will dream of it during the night. Um. St. Bonaventure says, praying the holy name of Jesus changes us. <clears throat> the holy name of Jesus is powerful because it brings down our enemies, restores our strength, re- renews our mind. It is contained, in it is contained the foundation of faith, the ground of hope and fulfillment of, of holiness. It is gladness to the heart and splendor to the mind. It nourishes when it is recalled, soothes when it is uttered, anoints when it is invoked, refreshes when it is written, and instructs when it is read. It gives sight to the blind, makes the lame walk, bears, brings hearing to the deaf, speech to the dumb, and life to the dead. The holy name of Jesus saves you from the vanities of the world which entice you, from the deceits of the devil which surround you, and from the weakness of the flesh which torments you. That's that's quite a powerful uh, uh, paragraph from St. Bonaventure. <clears throat> So the, the holy name the name of Jesus possesses great and manifold power, observes St. Thomas Aquinas, for it is to those repenting a refuge, to those who are sick a remedy, to those fighting life's battle a shield of defense, to those praying a help and consolation because it obtains pardon for sin, strength of body and of mind, victory for those tempted, power and confidence in securing the salvation of souls. For just as oil soothes pain, so does the name of Jesus. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, he agrees. 
He says, quote, my soul, you have hidden remedy in a little vessel named Jesus, which has proven itself to be powerful, a, a powerful cure for every disease, end quote. And St. Peter Christologist says, he adds this, the power of this name, Jesus, has put to flight the entire power of the devil from bodies possessed of diabolical power. The holy name of Jesus blesses us with a way to, to hold fast to the word of God and to bring forth fruit with patience. And that's uh, straight out of the Catechism 2668. So if you think uh, the, of the name of Jesus continually and hold it firmly, promises the 14th century mystic Richard Rohl, it purges your sin and, and kindles your heart. It clarifies your soul. It removes anger and does away slowness. It wounds in love and fulfills charity. It chases the devil and puts out dread. It opens heaven and makes a person contemplative. It puts all vices and phantoms out from the one who loves. And so, you know, we go throughout the day, and those are little uh, ejaculation prayers, prayers that you can you can say when you're in a bind or when you're tempted or uh, you need help. You know, the name of Jesus is uh, should always be on your lips. Uh, just something so simple as Jesus, help me. Jesus, uh, comfort me. Jesus, I love thee. You know, oh, Jesus, uh, cure me. Whatever the need is, Jesus' name is powerful. Um, we'll be right back. We'll talk about some other, what other saints have said about the, the name of Jesus. So, Jesus 911. Don't change that dial. To Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, a one-man car. Now Jesse had uh, an appointment to get to get to doctor's appointment, so <clears throat> we pray for him that uh, all will be well. Um, just want to uh, say a prayer for. Timothy Staples, not the Tim Staples, the the, uh, the apologist. This is a uh, he's a volunteer, search and rescue volunteer, who uh, who died this week, um, trying to find a, a a hiker who went missing. He was part of a team, but he got separated from his team up on Mount Baldy in California, and um, he he was found dead up there. So here's a man who's volunteering his time to to help others. And to bring home and bring some um, some peace to uh, a family who's missing their loved one, and he, uh, you know, he he gives up his life. So no greater love than he, he than he who gives up his life for his brethren. So um, we uh, say a prayer for him, and uh, may he rest in peace. Lord have mercy on him, and uh, and, and we wish nothing but the best that he's uh, in the arms of, of Christ. Um, so just remember Timothy Staples in your prayers. <clears throat> so, um, um, okay, so we're going to talk about this, this holy name of Jesus a little more here t- in this last uh, segment. Um, this is, um, 
you know, St. Paul talks about it. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, Philippians 2.10. So Jesus reinforces the power of his own name in, in St. John's gospel when he says, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. John 16.23. It was St. Bernardine of Siena, an electrifying Franciscan preacher of the early 15th century, was he was the saint who most spread the devotion to the holy name of Jesus. He ingeniously depicted the holy name with the well-known monogram IHS, derived from the Greek letters forming the word Jesus. In the 16th century, the Jesuits built on this tradition and utilized the IHS to embellish their churches, even making it the emblem of their society. The mother church of all Jesuit churches in Rome is officially named in honor of the most holy name of Jesus, although its name is commonly shortened to simply the Jesus. There is raw power in the name Jesus. It uh, makes polite company cringe. <laughs> it divides families. It floats across the dinner table, letting everyone know exactly where you stand. A comfortable, vague and euphemism like the man upstairs or the big guy just won't do. Jesus does not convey an idea that everyone can interpret as they wish. If someone's name, you know, it's someone's name, it's Jesus' name, and that someone taught, suffered, died, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So just imagine, uh, this This actually happened, but uh, the child uh, of who remained nameless, when, when asked, once asked to define love, said that when someone loves you, the way you say your name is different. Your name is safe in their mouth. The holy name of Jesus should be safe in in our mouths, even when we're not receiving communion, right? How many times have you have you you know uh, used the Lord's name in vain, and or you said something that just didn't um, it didn't it wasn't becoming of a of a Catholic? Um, you said something offensive, and uh, you know my mom used to say, "You're gonna kiss your mother with that with that mouth of yours," you know, or you, you have. Uh, it's true, you know, and, and your, uh, your tongue, you have to guard your tongue. And, uh, you know, that tongue is where we receive our Lord. That's, that's the, the bed that we, we make for him when we kneel down and stick out our tongue to receive communion. And uh, <clears throat> so we should use the name wisely, use the holy name wisely, wisely and pre- pray it often. <clears throat> Son of Mary, may you, our same tongues that receive your holy body and blood prepare themselves for, for your visit by saying your holy name with great reverence. And when and may we not refrain from invoking that same holy name in our daily conversations with all whom we meet. Um, so here's some seven quotes to meditate upon. The holy name of Jesus is so powerful that demons flee from it. The sick are cur- cured and humanity is saved. Here are some beautiful Holy Name of Jesus quotes for you to meditate upon. Number one, to, to holy people, the very name of Jesus is a name to feed upon, a name to transport. His name can raise the dead and transfigure the beauty, beautiful, and, and beautify the living. That was from Blessed John Henry Newman. Number two, faith in Jesus and the power of his holy name is the greatest spiritual force in the world today. It is a source of joy and inspiration in our youth of strength in our manhood when only his holy name and his grace can enable us to overcome temptation 
of hope, consolation, and confidence at the hour of death when more than ever before we realize that the meaning of Jesus is Lord the Savior. We should bow in reverence to his name and submission to his holy will. So you don't see it too much in the uh, in the New Mass, but in tradition, whenever Jesus' name is mentioned, you'll see the priest bow his head, you know, um, and uh, when they say the say the name uh, of Jesus, you'll see not only the priest, but you see others, you know, bow their head at, at the at the, at his name. In, to we revere his name. So that was uh, that was Blessed Henry Suso, um, twelve ninety to thirteen sixty five. Number three, was it not through the brilliance and sweet savor of this name that God called us into His marvelous light? St. Bernardina of Siena, 1380-1444. The next one, any you shall call his name Jesus because his name we adore, the entire majesty, the Godhead, all who dwell in the heavens, those who abide upon the earth, and every one of those who are held in the depths of hell. Bow down prostrate to this name. This is the name which gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, agility to the lame, speech to the mute, and life to the dead. The power of this, this name forced the mastery of the devil entirely from the bodies of the possessed. And uh, you'll hear that. That's, that was from St. Peter Christologist back in 406 to 450. That's when he lived. And so you'll hear, you know, exorcist priests, you know, in the name of Jesus, you know, I cast you out. He's, you know, they, 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 demons flee from the name of Jesus. The next one, if thou art bound down by sickness, if sorrows weary thee, if thou art trembling with fear, invoke the name of Jesus. So says St. Lawrence Justinian, 1381 to 1456. Uh, The next one, the sweet name of Jesus produces in us holy thoughts, fills the soul with noble sentiments, strengthens virtue, begets good works, and nourishes pure affection. All spiritual food leaves the soul dry. If, If it contain not that penetrating oil, the name Jesus. That was St. Bernard of Clairvaux from 1090 to 1153. And the last one on this list is, um, so great is the most holy name of Jesus that God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father, St. Paul the Apostle. Six, uh, he died between 64 and 67 A.D., and he says that in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. So anytime you say his name a little too casually, meditate upon these holy name of Jesus quotes that I just went through. And with the last uh, couple minutes we have left, I'm just going to say a prayer of reparation for blasphemies uttered against the holy name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O Jesus, my Savior and Redeemer, Son of the living God, behold, we kneel before Thee and offer Thee our reparation. We would make amends for all the blasphemies uttered against Thy holy name, for all the injuries done to Thee in in the Blessed Sacrament, for all the irreverence shown toward Thine Immaculate Virgin Mother, for all the calumnies and slanders spoken against thy spouse, the Holy Catholic and Roman Church. O Jesus, who has said, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. 
We pray and beseech thee for all our brethren who are in danger of sin. Shield them from every temptation to fall away from the true faith. Save those who are even now standing on the brink of the abyss. To all of them give light and knowledge of the truth, courage and strength for the, the, for the conflict with evil, perseverance in faith and activity and, and active charity. For this do we pray, most merciful Jesus, in thy name unto God the Father, with whom thou livest and reignest in the unity of the Holy Ghost, world without end. Amen. So, some good stuff, good stuff, good... Um, this is a devotion that's kind of fallen by the wayside, so let's try to revive it, this this holy name of Jesus. Remember that although we, um, most, I'm probably speaking to the choir here, this this Christmas season is a, a joyous, happy occasion for all of us. Just think about those who are in despair, those who who don't have family to to be around, um, th- those who are suicidal. You know, the a lot of despair comes when when I was working in uh, patrol. You know, the majority of our suicides, it, it appeared to me. I don't, I don't have data to back this up, but it just seemed that there was more tragedies, more suicides that were going on around this time because people were uh didn't have Jesus in their heart they they didn't they felt despair they felt uh there was nothing to live for and the loss of their family members really came to the forefront during this time so keep them in your prayers uh it is it's a it's a beautiful season a joyous season but for for many it is just the opposite so uh, we ask um, our the good Lord and His Blessed Mother to intervene and to bring hope to to those and to um, bring them back into the fold. And so, you know, go out of your way today to to uplift somebody and go out of your way to to just you know be the light, be the light of Christ out there to those who are downtrodden, to those who who just need a need a helping hand or just need somebody to know that they that they're loved and that they that uh, you know you care for them. Um, you know, make some phone calls, call some of those people who you haven't connected with in, in quite a while. I connected with an old friend from, uh, my childhood, uh, yesterday and on the phone, and it was just so good to, to hear their voice again and to, you know, um, let them know that we're here for them. So God love you guys. Uh, keep the faith. Remember the, the holy name of Jesus. Keep it ever so close to you and to your heart and to your, on your lips. So we hope you enjoy the show and um, stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Mishuda from the Midwest Command Center. I am 10-7-E-O-W in the watch. God love you. Keep the faith.